Hello, and welcome everyone to the Embodying Her podcast. I'm your host, Kelly O. Today, we are going to be starting our mini-series on pregnancy loss. I'm going to be having some guests on to talk about their experience and bring light to an often hushed topic. I recently learned from our first guest that one in four pregnancies ends in a miscarriage. That's not one in four women have a miscarriage. That's one in four pregnancies have a miscarriage, meaning it's much more common than we may think. It is my wish that these episodes help others to know they are not alone in their experience and that this can help them heal. My first guest is my dear friend and soul sister. Her name is Kelly Jean. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. How are you today? I'm doing well. Everything is beautiful and hot here in Louisiana. (laughs) I do not miss that at all. I bet it's very humid too. Yeah, of course it is. We're in June. And so this is when everybody starts to hide inside. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And I just want to start by thanking you for being willing to share your experience. I really appreciate your vulnerability in coming on the show. Yeah, of course. We met right at the beginning of my maternal journey. I had just had my first son. He was like a month old when we connected. So you have been a dear friend uh, throughout most of these experiences I'm about to talk about. And I'm happy to share with, with anyone who wants to learn more about what it's like to experience pregnancy loss. Thank you. We really appreciate it because I know your story is going to help other people. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I think it will. <laughs> I guess we'll start at the beginning. Walk us through your experience in as much detail as you would like to share. Sure. So my husband and I got married when we were relatively young. I was 24 years old. And then all through our 20s, we really had no interest in starting a family. It wasn't because we were against children or anything like that, but it just didn't feel like the good fit for us. And then When I turned 30, my husband asked me, you know, could you see yourself in 10 years regretting the thought of not having children? And I sat with that for a little while. And, and then I decided, yeah, like this is part of the human experience to have a family, raise children, see it from end to end, more or less. My husband's family has experienced a lot of loss. So he deeply understands the fragility of life. His mother passed away when she was just over 40 years old. He never knew his father. It's been a a very traumatic kind of experience. So I thought maybe that would be a little bit difficult for him in starting a family. And then like, what if he experienced loss? Fortunately, with our first son, he was born healthy, perfectly healthy baby. I had a lot of anxiety. I was really worried about losing him. We were very private about who knew that I was pregnant which obviously being pregnant is kind of hard to hide from a lot of people. But <laughs> there is some evidence. Friends, yeah, friends and family. My husband's from Vermont. I'm from New York. So we kind of just told this like close group of people and that was it. And then obviously people I worked with knew, but it was really close hold. So so we had our first child. I was 32. And so shortly after, it was probably... I don't know. He must've been like nine to 12 months old. We started to think about like, okay, I know we said no kids. Then we said one kid. And now we're here talking about two kids. So we decided to just see what would happen. And this is at the beginning of lockdown. So this is through the pandemic when this all came about. And so it was two months after 
lockdown started, uh, I found out I was pregnant with our second child and I knew I was pregnant. I hadn't even missed a period yet. It was probably three, three weeks into the pregnancy. I was terribly sick, like from the minute it happened. So you're very in tune with your body to know it that soon yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, everything was just a little strange. You know, I couldn't really hold down food. It wasn't the stereotypical, like what you see in a movie where someone's just like throwing up all the time. It was just nausea, nonstop nausea. So three weeks into the pregnancy, I knew, okay. But because of lockdown appointments were hard to come by because obviously they had to space patients out. So we didn't have an ultrasound scheduled until I was estimated to be about 10 weeks pregnant. So I went to the appointment and I was sitting there in the waiting room and there was just some things going on. I was fortunate it was a birth center. So it was midwives and your families could come in with you despite it being COVID lockdown. Had you taken an at-home pregnancy test at this point? Yeah. Oh yeah. I I took like five back to back because I thought (laughs) I thought there's no way, there's no way I'm, you know, that this is actually happening. It was not, it wasn't like an infertility issue with my first pregnancy, but it just didn't happen right away. I had some hormonal things that were going on. I was not in tune with my body in terms of when I was ovulating. So it was, it was early in, in to the feminine journey, right. To understand my body fully. Now I'm at a different place than I was back then because of meeting people like you who really are thoughtful about that. So it took a while. It took about 10 months. So I say a while, that's not really that long when it comes to trying to conceive, but it took about 10 months and I got pregnant. But with this child, it happened so fast. Like Mm. it was the first month of trying I got pregnant. So we're sitting in the waiting room at the birth center and I don't know, like just something came over me, like something's wrong. Like, We're waiting way too long. They're usually more responsive. They were the people who cared for me during Holland's pregnancy, my first son. So it was just kind of off. And I I just, I didn't know I had this feeling. And then we went into the ultrasound room and the tech started to do the ultrasound. And I heard some sound in her throat and I could tell she didn't want to say something. And she just asked me, can you remind me when you said you're, you first had a positive pregnancy test. And I thought that can't be a good question. (laughs) No, that doesn't feel comforting. So there was no movement. It looked very small and I knew what was coming like from that, from that moment. Right. And, and I told her that, you know, it was about at that point, about nine and a half weeks ago, I was nine and a half weeks long. So, so I told her about how many weeks uh, it had been And she said, there's no heartbeat. I'm so sorry. Hmm. And I didn't really have an emotional reaction, which surprised me because I mean, it's imagine getting that news. That's very startling. So I don't know if it was a state of shock, but in my head, I was running through all of the things that people say, there must've been something wrong with the baby. It's a good thing. It happened early in the pregnancy. And I was like trying to like self-soothe like on the fly in that moment. And, you know, everyone, the midwives, the tech, my husband, obviously everyone was being very comforting to me, but I was just kind of in a, in a fog. And then we got into the car and I just lost it. Right. Yeah. So what I had, yeah, what I had had is a missed miscarriage. So the baby stopped developing 
at around six weeks. And here I am about 10 weeks, right? And so my body was progressing the pregnancy, even though the baby had no longer been able to thrive. Okay. We'll, we'll phrase it like that. And obviously like your mind spirals. What did I do? Was it something I ate? Was I in like a, 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 an environment around chemicals? I had done some yard work. My kid had hit me in the stomach. What was it? What was wrong with me? Yeah. And yeah. And that, that was just so much happened so fast. And right this month, we're up against like the two year anniversary of that. And it still, it doesn't hurt as much as it did then, obviously, but that pain still lingers. Yeah, obviously. Of course it would. That was, you know, and that was and is a part of you and it's a part of your life and it's a part of your story. So it doesn't, it doesn't go away. The pain doesn't go away. You learn no. how to move through it, I would say, and carry it with you, but it doesn't go yeah. away. So I definitely can understand what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Where were you at, like from the moment in the car and then going forward, did you have a lot of different emotions and how did you begin your healing process? Like who did you reach out to? Yeah. So like I said, I had a missed miscarriage and my body was not getting the memo. Right. So it was either I could wait for things to naturally progress. And like I said, I was so sick and it didn't change. Like from the moment I realized I was pregnant through that 10 weeks. So I was, I was sick and unable to eat hardly anything. I lost something like 17 pounds. Oh my gosh. And for um, y'all who don't know, she, y'all have never seen her. She's a very tiny person to begin with. Yeah. So 17 pounds is a, is a lot. It's, it's a lot. So I had lost a ton of weight. So the thought of putting myself through that any longer was so like, I just knew that was so unfair. So they had given me a medication and for the life of me, I should have looked this up. I cannot remember what it's called, but basically it prompts the body to have an abortion more or less. Okay. So I took, I I'd gotten the prescription. We went to the pharmacy and for two days, because it didn't happen the first day, I took the pill in the morning and I just kind of waited for it to happen. And I was so just so upset and I was grieving so deeply for like this potential life that no longer existed so anyway so I went through the first day and it was just I just cried you know and the second day it was up up the dosage and I waited and nothing happened and so I had to call the midwife this was Saturday and Sunday so fortunately like my husband would have taken off work of course but at least it was the weekend and things were open and you know he and my child could leave while I kind of processed this, right? Yeah. And on the second day, I had to call the midwife to schedule a DNC. And then I went in the following day to have the procedure done. But as I was just sitting there, the thing that gave me comfort was knowing, like I talked about the human experience, that is a, a woman experience. 
A man can never feel those things, know that loss, know that love. So like knowing that, like thinking back on that time and thinking like that, that revealed itself to me, gives me peace. And to answer your question about like, who did I reach out to? Who did I talk to? Because like, I still had a social life, even though I wasn't well, like I'm on a dance team. I told some friends, close friends like yourself that I was pregnant because there was no hiding it. Like the first one, like it was healthy and I, and I felt well and no issues. But with this one, it's like, if we got together and you saw me barely able to like take a sip of water, it would have been like a red flag that something's up. So I was very forthcoming with people. So I was embarrassed because I had to start telling people like, Hey, you know how I told you I was pregnant? Well, I'm not pregnant. I'm not pregnant anymore. Yeah. That's a powerful thing to have to say. Yeah. yeah it, it was a small group of people, but still it was like, I don't like revealing things about myself or I didn't, I should say, I didn't like revealing things about myself. I'm not that way anymore. So, you know, I started to think about like, what could help me like work through this trauma. Okay. So I bought myself this little ring and it looks like two little hands holding the finger, you know? Oh, the hug it, ring, right? The hug ring. Yeah. From the yes. yes. From Mimosa. And it's, it's designed to be like the lockdown separated us and it's, you know, physical touch coming together or whatever. But for me, like I bought that with like a reminder to take care of myself, you know, like that, that, that was something that happened. It doesn't define me. It doesn't make me any less than. So I did that, but I also bought myself this little sculpture and it's the divine feminine. I'll show it to you, Kelly. I have it right here. It like fits perfectly in my hand. It has like the symbol on the belly. Yes. With the, bought, the, yeah. Yes. I've seen that with the breast and the womb and yet yeah, the thighs. Yes. yes. That's a beautiful symbol. And it kind of looks like an oak tree root, you know, coming up when you put it on dirt. It just like, it reminds me like, kind of like back to the earth, you know, yeah. like this is all part of life cycle. So something I, I would also like to talk about is we ended up collecting the products of conception. That's what they call them. Okay. So because yeah. it was so early in the pregnancy, you can't technically say it was a, a, a an embryo or a fetus. It was basically just a, a cluster of cells. But as part of this healing process for myself, I knew I just couldn't live with it being disposed of. Like, so I found out around three weeks, have a DNC around uh, at 10 weeks for that amount of time, you're talking almost two months, right? Like I thought I was going to have a baby. Yeah. So like I, that, that was part of my headspace. That was part of my future. And so we collected it and we buried it in the backyard. So I bought this little sculpture just as a symbol of like back to the earth and that for whatever reason, like that provided so much closure to me too, making it more of a ceremony. It wasn't a proper funeral like you might have with, with a stillbirth or some more traumatic experience you can have in later pregnancy, but it, it just made me feel better about what had happened. Yeah. That seems, I, I think I like how you phrased it back to the earth and kind of a, 
you know, a complete circle, if you will. It's a beautiful way to honor that life. And we've discussed this before. Holland knows what this statue is, right? I mean, he's sort of grasping it. He's still very young, but. Sure, exactly. Yeah. So he's four now and we have, we put the the products of conception <laughs> in this tall, it's about a three foot tall planter in our backyard. And so what I've done the last two years is I've put I've planted flowers on top of it. And so I had Holland participate in that this year. And that was the first, you know, I told him about what that meant and what, what was within that planter. And he was a little confused and he started shouting to the neighbors. We have a new baby in the backyard. <laughs> and so that was a little confusing, but I feel like, like, why not talk about it yeah. to anybody? And I've said this to you, Kelly, it's like, I will talk to strangers. Like if they ask me, you know, what type of bread do you eat? Like, yeah, I had a pregnancy loss. It's just a very natural thing that comes up in conversation. I don't try to hide any bit of this. And, you know, whenever people ask about my children, so Holland knows about the planter in the backyard, which is extremely sweet. So I, shortly after I had the DNC, I had gotten pregnant again. It was October. So I had the DNC at the end of June, and then I got pregnant in October. I needed some time to heal, you know, like obviously not only from the feminine health side, but emotionally, because what if I had experienced that again? I was really reluctant to try again. I think that's a very common fear afterwards. So I like that you are talking about that. How did you yeah. move through that? I, I just thought I had spent that time, like I said, sitting in bed, not trusting my body, thinking, how could you do this to me? totally disconnected like yeah. I thought I could I, I was naive I thought I had had a, a healthy pregnancy why wouldn't I have another one what was what it was happening and then I lost and then I lost the baby and then it was just like why me it's so easy to go down the path of pity but I think that how else can you cope with that right other than feeling that way so anyway my my husband and I thought you know, looking at statistics, he's, he's an engineer. It just naturally happens. Can't help it. But <laughs> it was basically like, let's try again. And if we experience it, that's that. Let's take it as a universal sign that this is just our family is perfect as is. And you were at peace with that. Uh, and I was thinking at peace it's oh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I'm also stubborn. So like, why not give it another <laughs> try and see what happens? Of course. So, so I got I had my third pregnancy in, you know, I got pregnant in October. They put me on progesterone, which, you know, hormonal supplement. They thought maybe that was one of the reasons I had lost the other child was because there could have been like a hormone dip. Mm -hmm. And I, from what I understand, talking to people, that's relatively common. If you are like, a, if you have had repeated pregnancy losses, they'll they'll do that kind of as a security net. It's like one of the only things from what I understand that they can do to assist you during that time. So I was on that. And again, I lost more weight. I had gained weight. And then I lost like 12 pounds during the first trimester. And it's not like I just naturally lose weight. It was just, I was so sick from the progesterone. It was awful. 
And this was with your Atlas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With Atlas. His name's Atlas. So, so like the only thing I could eat was sweet potatoes with cottage cheese on it, which sounds so bizarre and so weird, but I was like, okay, this to each their own. (laughs) We'll we'll just do it. Okay. I don't know. So tuna sandwich, but okay. Whatever you can keep down. That's right. That's right. So, and then, and then the whole time through his pregnancy, I had so much fear and it made all the fear that I had felt during my first pregnancy. It felt so ridiculous. Like, what was I afraid of? But I didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea. Like, I didn't know what loss looked like and felt like. And then I did. And so through my pregnancy with Atlas, there was just so much fear. And he was perfect. Everything was perfect. I had no struggles with him. Once I got over at 20 weeks, they they dropped, or not 20 weeks, I'm sorry, at 12 weeks, we dropped the the progesterone. And it was like overnight, I felt like myself again. Like I had oh. energy. I it, it was right before Christmas. It was three days before Christmas. So I had made cookies and it was a whole thing. I was just so happy. And everything progressed fine. And then like, it was, it was the night before he was born. I was laying in bed and he was late. My first son was, I was 42 weeks when I delivered Holland and with Atlas, it was, I was just about to turn 41 weeks. And I was just so, so emotional and upset. And I was like, maybe I just get induced. And it was always a natural birth. That's what I wanted for, for all of it. You know, I didn't have that with, with Holland because I was so late just for medical reasons they wanted me in a hospital environment and with with atlas it was the night before he was born and i'm laying in bed crying because like all i wanted to do was feel him in my arms and know we were safe like how and that kind of speaks back to the whole not trusting myself i didn't think anything was going to happen but there's just so much that can go wrong especially through delivery and so anyway, the next day my water broke and he was born from the moment my water broke to him in my arms was like three hours. It was just like the most intense experience of my life. Very quick. Uh, but it it was so quick. That is not normal. But but it just, I held him and it just made everything, fe- like all that fear just disappear. And like, I I saw like the beauty in my body again like going through that pain trusting myself letting go not pushing myself just the the experience of labor is so daunting and I just let it happen I didn't push I just breathed and like it was the most beautiful ending to to that yeah you you know I think I think I like what you said you brought trust in your body again and I think you and this is me speaking, I think the process of laboring probably and and seeing yourself be able to do that brought a lot of trust back into yourself and what the female body does and goes through. I think, I think you healed yourself a little in that way. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Because it, it was an unmedicated birth. Yeah. So, so labor and birth. And so I just, it was something, it felt like something brand new, you know, yeah. all the pain was still there. I still, I still think about that baby. My husband and I, now we're 37 and we're, people ask, are you going to have another child? And this all goes back to 
do I want another child or do I want that pregnancy I lost? Is there the wonder of what would my life look like if I had three kids? But I know I wouldn't have at the odds of me having Atlas. I mean, think do the the math on that. What are the odds that egg would have been fertilized or blah, blah, blah. You know, I wouldn't have that baby. And when I look at him, he just brings me so much joy. I, he's beautiful. He's almost two. And he has like big blue eyes and strawberry blonde hair. He's just a dreamy oh little God. chunk. I know. So, I love to squeeze his little cheeks. <laughs> I know, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't like make me glad that I lost that other child because I don't know what that would have, what if that could have been, right? So it's just been a very complicated journey. I hope that I'm articulating the experience well, but I'm not the only one who who goes through this. Of course I'm not. And, and I bring it up all the time. But when people ask how many children do I have, very often I will say I have a son who's four and another son who's one. I had pregnancy loss in between the two. And like, that's that. And almost, almost every time, I can't say every time, but they will either say, oh, my friend went through that. My sister went through that. Or I know that pain. It's, you're not alone. And, and I think that that has been such a disservice to women to hide that from each other. Right. Like yeah. I had a friend, I had a friend. I knew she had lost a child. We were about 27 at the time and, and she was pregnant. She was so excited. She got pregnant quickly. They started to try, started to try to start a family. She got pregnant right away, lost a child. And it wasn't until I had lost this baby and I shared that with her just looking. She was one of the only people I knew who had gone through it. She had not only had it happen once, she had happened had this happen four times and a oh couple of them goodness. I don't believe her husband had even known you know oh. because she started to process that as there's something wrong with me mm. and and for her I talked about this is not an answer for anyone's infertility issues but for her it was a hormonal thing so she was on progesterone and she got pregnant so that with her when she got pregnant for the fifth time that worked for her it doesn't work every time it's not that easy but it's just you start to disconnect from yourself when when that happens. And I think that's just a cultural thing. We've kind of created this society where it's all hush hush. And like you said, Kelly, it's one in four pregnancies. That does not mean one in four women. It is if you statistically, if you get pregnant four times, you will lose a child once. So I think talking about it, sharing your experience, sharing your pain, I think that that will just help other people heal. I think so too. I mean, that's part of the reason we're doing this mini series. And I absolutely love the way you answer the question when people ask you how many children you have. I think that's a beautiful way to make it more common and bring some light to it. And it's a way to honor, you know, that pregnancy. Yeah. I don't think that I might make some people uncomfortable. It's not my intention, but it's part of my story. And I, and I choose to not hide that from people. That's not good for me or, or anybody else or you know, that, that life that could have been. Yes, exactly. I agree with you. Is there something you wish more people knew about just pregnancy loss in general? Yeah, I think that it's very easy to dismiss someone who has had pregnancy loss 
miscarriage, whatever you want to call it, when they experience it in the first trimester. Like I said, in that ultrasound room, all of the things that I've even said to people were rolling through my head. It's a good thing it happened early. There must have been something wrong. It was just meant to be. Or even now it's, well, now you have another child. It doesn't matter, right? You got pregnant. You found out you were pregnant. And that love was established then and there. And to be a mother, you know, that made you a mother. So even if you, even if you've had a dozen miscarriages, I don't know anyone who's had that, but I'm sure there are people out there that that have experienced that. It's like, you are still a mother and that love doesn't stop. Yes. You endure more as your pregnancy goes on. There's, there's, there's other things that add into that, but it's like, you start planning for the future. The minute you find out that there's a life inside of you. And I just wish people were more respectful of that. Like, stop saying the things, like, stop trying to comfort people in that way. Yeah. Comfort like- looks like this must be so hard. What can I do for you? Do you want to, like I said, I had these little ceremonies. It was just me and my husband, but it's like, what can we do to honor that loss, that life? I think that that is such a gentle way to support someone versus dismissing their emotions. Yeah. I, I like that. What can I do to help you? This must be hard. And yeah, that's a great way to, to ask a friend and to leave it, you know, to where they can ask for help. And in the South, a lot of times we just show up with food when there's loss. So there's, (laughs) there's that, but to add some words and to make sure that they know that you're, you're a person for them. I think that's, oh, for sure. that's, I love that sentence. That was a great way to, mm-hmm. that was a great way to help other people help their friends who are going through this. Yeah. And that all comes from you talking about it. Like it's not saying I need help, but it's saying I've had this experience and I'm going through a hard time. Like I asked someone like, do you know someone I can talk to? Because I only knew the one person and I knew a well-connected person who has a lot of friends who have children. And I'm like, some, someone in this group of people has yeah. had this experience. <laughs> so again, statistically, someone in this group of people is going to be able to, to support me and like answer questions like what you've asked me. How did you move through it? What can I do to heal? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you reached out. I'm glad you found those people. Is there something that you would say to somebody who recently experienced pregnancy loss and is recovering? Yeah, I think it's as simple as there is nothing wrong with you. This is the female experience. It's a tragedy, but it doesn't make you any less than you are. You are every bit capable as the next person. So don't let go of the trust that you have had for yourself. Like this is just something, a, a, a pain to experience and talk to other people about that. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. You are not less and there's nothing wrong with you. That's beautiful. Yeah. Is there any other thoughts that you want to share with us before we close out today? I think all I have to say is thank you for giving me this platform to share my experience. I told you before we went into recording that I was feeling a little jittery because 
I feel like this is something I think about not every day, but like once a week, maybe I think about, I'll either look at that planter or someone will have had a child or whatever. You know, there are little reasons why this bubbles up. It was such a defining point of like, even just the pandemic for me. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm thinking through that. So when I went in for the DNC, they let Nate come in with me, which was such, at the time, such a privilege, like yeah, to go into the during hospital. during COVID, with, yes. During COVID, for him to come into that space with me. And so they wheeled me back into the room and I was, I felt so, I was so upset and I was so embarrassed for being that upset. And then it just clicked me. I'm like, I don't care. You know, that, because it was the moment before, like that baby was being taken away from me. Right. And so I'm sobbing as the anesthesia hit. And I woke up and I felt so, again, I felt so silly for that. Like this room of people who don't know me. And then I felt like after I went to the doctor, as a follow-up, see how I was recovering. And I like explained myself to him. And then in that moment, as I left, I thought that was so silly. I don't have to explain myself to anybody. Like those are my feelings. And it was my right to share those, (laughs) you know, even if it was just through tears. Yeah. And they were yours and you're the one who had the experience. You're allowed to have the feelings. So you know, in a, yeah. in a loving way, screw everybody else. Like this is your, yeah. you know, you can cry if you want to. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was such a defining point in pandemic life that I had this and I got pregnant again. So my whole pandemic thing, I felt like I was, I was pregnant the whole time through lockdown. <laughs> what a bummer. So, but, but I think about that experience and that, that life that could have been quite often. and. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that that's, it doesn't define who I am, but it was an important part of my journey as a mother. It it makes me look at my, my child Atlas, who I named Atlas because naming him something like William felt very underwhelming for that experience. (laughs) So I needed to give him like a grand name. Yes. So that's why, (laughs) yeah. So that's why he is Atlas. And he fits the bill for what you might think a baby named Atlas would look like. So it's just such a, a part of my story. And, and I'm happy to, to be here and share that with you. Well, I'm very grateful that you came on. One thing I'll say about Atlas's name that it didn't occur to me until now is that I love that. I mean, I love that it's Atlas because it's a beautiful name, but I love that it's a guiding name. And mm-hmm. I think that's really poetic. Considering everything of the, you know, the whole experience. I think that's a very, very good, sturdy name. I love that. I love that. And I, I worry because it's, you know, Atlas and Greek mythology held up the celestial sky. And I thought, am I putting too much pressure on this child? Like (laughs) the one who carries my world? Like, is that what I'm expecting of him? But I think like, it was just like a grounding thing for me. So I think so. I I think you're an aware enough mother to not do that. (laughs) Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you sharing your story and 
I'm going to see you soon. And then to everybody else, until next time, peace and love.